This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He will go down in A's history as one of the classiest men of the game. A quiet leader from Rapid City, South Dakota, with a stealth glove, cool demeanor, and penchant for being in the right place at the right time. Number 30 on the Oakland Athletics Top 50 Countdown, second baseman Mark Ellis. There's a swing and a high drive, hit deep. Way back into left center field, and that is gone for a home run. Mark Ellis unloads, and just like that, the A's have a 2-0 lead. Here in the top half of the fifth inning, that was like a lightning bolt. The pitch, swung up, bounce on the right side. Here comes Suzuki. Here comes Kendrick. He throws high. Suzuki slides in, and the A's have won it. The head first slide by Suzuki. Ellis puts the bat on the ball. The A's win it, and he is mobbed behind first base. The pitch swung on. Fly ball, left field, going back for Sednick. Still going at the track in front of the wall, leaping at the wall. It's off the wall, and the A's have won the ball game. Ellis wasn't drafted by the A's but in fact traded for him from the Kansas City Royals as part of a three-team, eight-player transaction. He reached the majors in 2002, following the reputation of another A's second baseman from his neck of the woods, Dick Green, and had the same beliefs on how the glove is as important as the bat. That's what I think defense is a very important part of the game, and obviously now, defense is rewarded more than it was even when I was playing you know that's what I did you know I wanted if I missed a ball I felt bad for the pitcher I felt bad for our team you know and I just wanted to be the best second baseman that I could be uh, so our team could be better and the pride of playing in the middle of the field I think it meant a lot to me to be able to be one of those guys uh, in the center of the ballpark to uh, where the ball is mostly hit you know and to be able to make a play and turn a double play to end a game or turn a double play in a big inning you know bases loaded situation was uh, something I took a lot of pride in. His best example was in 2006 when he led the league in fielding percentage with only two errors, but somehow was denied the gold glove. That 997 percentage is still a team record, as are his 102 consecutive game errorless streak in 2007. Also in 07, Mark, never one to want the spotlight, accomplished a personal achievement. 2-2 pitch, broken bat pop, shallow center field for Troy Arasignati, won't get there, and Ellis has hit for the cycle. First time since Eric Burns against the Giants in 2003. Mark Ellis has hit for the cycle as an Oakland A. Ellis participated in three postseasons with the A's. He hit a three-run homer in game five of the 0-2 ALDS versus Minnesota, but the A's fell short. In 06, he couldn't play in the ALCS versus Detroit because a Joe Nathan pitch broke his finger in game two of the ALDS against the Twins. Ever the class act, Nothing exhibited more that than on June 11, 2011, already aware that his time with Oakland was over with a trade to the Colorado Rockies, Mark still participated in the annual Root Beer Float Day, engaging with the fans. Few represented the A's better than number 30 on our countdown, second baseman Mark Ellis.
the World Series, the ultimate spotlight and a conclusion of a season filled with ups and downs and hope that your team can be the last one standing. The Fall Classic also has a history of making unlikely heroes on the game's greatest stage. Few fit this bill better than number 29 on our top 50 list, catcher Gene Tennis. Previous and since the Gene's heroics, other players made their surprising marks at season's end. Don Larson, two years removed from a 3-21 season, pitched the only perfect game in series history in 1956 for the New York Yankees. 2002, Francisco Rodriguez pitched only five and two-thirds major league innings, but won five postseason games for the champion Angels. Pat Borders for Toronto, and David Eckstein for St. Louis, and many, many more. The A's reached the postseason in 1971, but fell short to the Baltimore Orioles. 72 became their year, and Tennis, the backup catcher to Dave Duncan, hit one home run in his last 24 games, and five for the entire year. Then the ALCS versus the Tigers, and Tennis picks up the story that led to his moment in the sun. I came out of the playoffs one for 16, and I, I didn't even think I was going to be playing in the World Series with those stats, but I was fortunate you know, to play on the fifth game of the playoff, drive in the deciding run in the fifth game against the Tigers with two outs, so we ended up winning two to one and then winning the World Series. And actually, Cincinnati, I was raised 100 miles from there, so that was kind of nice being able to have the series that I had there and being from that area. So it's hard to explain what the feeling was. You know, the first home run, you know, probably everybody thought it was an accident. But then the <laughs> second one, I came up the second time off of Gary Nolan and he hung me a breaking ball and I hit it right down the line. I thought it was going foul. So I didn't leave the home plate until actually I saw it you know, land in the fair. It was quite a thrill. There's a long blast at deep left. That one is going and it is gone. A home run for Gene Tennis. And the A's grab the lead. There's a long drive deep down the left field line. That's going. Gene Tennis has hit his second home run in this World Series game. He is not a home run hitter. Gene would go on to connect with two more home runs in that series, drive in nine, and win the series MVP award. He would play in 24 fall classic games, but that 72 series was the only one where Tennis hit a home run. He continued to be an important part of the A's lineup, playing first base in 73 and 74 as Ray Fossey took over behind the plate. Most of the players came up together, and Gene recalls the one stabilizing thread of success. I think Dick Williams was, a, was really the key in, the, in this, putting it all together because we had the great pitching, we had good hitting, good athletes, good hitters. I think the thing that he realized we were lacking was our, the fundamental execution, and he got us in spring training, and he just pounded that into us, and that was the one ingredient I think was missing, and once we grasped a hold of that, we pretty much took off with it after that. Tennis would deliver four consecutive 20 home run campaigns for the A's and three times he walked more than 100 times ahead of his time with a career on base percentage of 388. 1972 provided one of the most unforgettable weeks in the history of the game and because of that number 29 on our top 50 list is catcher Gene Tennis. There always seems to be an East Coast bias when it comes to sports. The feeling is that is the only place you can find success. It has no merit. In fact, leaving the East Coast for the East Bay was the difference for number 28 on our top 50 list, outfielder Josh Reddick. Reddick spent parts of three seasons with the Boston Red Sox before the A's acquired him in advance of the 2012 season. And that trade opened an opportunity 
for Josh to shine as an everyday player. I think, you know, just coming into a great clubhouse and, and with Bob Melvin being able to uh, allow me to be myself, it was a lot different from going from a Boston Red Sox clubhouse full of veterans to a team that well, had two veterans, I think Coco and Johnny Gomes. So it was uh, pretty free going for myself, and they let it play out for what those reasons. I don't even know. Maybe it's because I played so hard or anything like that, but I couldn't tell you the exact reason. But they let me be myself, and I think that made me a lot more comfortable to be out there and go play the game I knew I was able to play. In over 400 Boston at-bats, Reddick hit only 10 home runs. As the unforgettable 2012 season was unfolding, he found a power source, leading the team with 32 home runs and hitting his first grand slam against his original team on August 31st. Curveball belted the right field. Back on it is Ross to the track at the wall. This one has left the building. Josh Reddick, his first major league grand slam. He connects against the Red Sox, and it's party time, birdie time at the Coliseum. He became a Gold Glove winner that season as well, as the A's marched to a spectacular finish and aware of a Spider-Man costume and director of walk-off pies. Coming into that last week and a half, I think we had to win 7 of 10, and I think all the Rangers had to do was win 3. So we were uh, just going to go out there and play our game, and when it came down to it, you know, we were playing, I think, with Seattle the last game before the series before they came in, was just go out there and win. Don't try to do too much. Just keep playing baseball the way you were. And once we realized we swept those guys, we had a really good opportunity to uh, take the division, and, you know, I think they had to beat us once. You know, with the first two nights coming into play, I think it really woke up a, a sleeping monster in, in that next day. You know, and one little error opened up a whole floodgate of, of good things for the Oakland A's that day. And I don't think there's a whole lot of seasons that we'll be able to compare to that. You know, we haven't won in the division the next year, wild card the following. I think the division following that year was fun, but it just wasn't as exciting. And I, I really do want to win a division earlier as opposed to later. But if you could script it to be like that to win on the last day, then obviously you would want to do that. In 2013, Reddick had an incredible two games in Toronto with a barrage of long balls. 1-0 fly ball deep right. Back on a Bautista. He'll turn. He'll watch. And this one will go. Josh Reddick has hit it out. Fly ball to left. Bonifacio going back to the wall. And it's gone. And Reddick goes the other way and hits his second home run tonight. The two old pitches drilled to right. Bautista will watch the third home run tonight for Josh Reddick. Three home runs against three different pitchers on a Friday night in Toronto. He would stay with the A's until he was traded midway through the 2006. 16 season and eventually signed with Houston and win a World Series. But all those opportunities happened because he moved west and got the chance to star in Oakland. And at number 28 on the countdown, outfielder Josh Reddick. By the time our next entrant on the top 50 list reached the Athletics, he already had a magical moment in the World Series. But the last seven years of his career solidified his spot as one of the strongest pitchers of his era. In at number 27, pitcher Bob Welch. As a 21-year-old rookie for the Dodgers, Welch K'd Reggie Jackson to close out game two of the World Series. Fast forward to December of 1987, the A's were part of a three-team deal with the Dodgers and the Mets that brought Welch to Oakland. Names like Jesse Orozco, Alfredo Griffin, Jay Howell, and others changed teams in that mega deal. Timing was good for Welch as Oakland reached the Fall Classic, but he learned from another veteran pitcher that the A's were ready 
four run. Well, it was wonderful that we had an opportunity to participate in the World Series, but anytime you lose, it sure has a bad taste. And, and I had been in the Dodger organization for 11 years prior to that, and uh, I got traded that winter. But when I talked to Dave Stewart, he said, well, gee, I don't know how you're feeling, but just know we have an excellent baseball team. So uh, just prepare to pitch and do the things that you can. And I uh, spoke with him, and then we had an excellent team. And uh, it was unfortunate the way it ended, but then we were able to come right back the next year and uh, uh, bounce back and do something to get us back in the World Series again. Welch was scheduled to pitch Game 3 at Candlestick in the 89 World Series, with the A's holding a two-games-to-none lead. Then it hit. The Loma Prieta earthquake forced a stoppage of the series for 11 days, and it allowed A's manager Tony Larusa to go back to Dave Stewart and Mike Moore on the mound as the A's swept the series. 1990 marked an achievement not seen in decades for Welch. By May 6th, Welch had a 3-2 record, but then a 10-win stretch, followed by a start in the winning All-Star game at Wrigley Field, and eventually 27 wins, the most in Major League Baseball since 1972, with Steve Carlton. Welch's 27-6 record won him the Cy Young Award over Roger Clemens and teammate Dave Stewart. Strike three called. Baines with a curious look back to Tim McClellan. Bob Welch paints the corner, strikes out the last two of the fifth. Swing and a miss. He's struck him out. Now that is the second consecutive strikeout for Welch in his second of the game. Here's the pitch. Salmon takes strike three calls. He sags at that news. Good job by Welch. He painted the outside corner that time as he did on the third strike in the first inning to Salmon. He would deliver double-digit wins in his first five Oakland seasons, posting 96 of a 211 career wins in his time with the A's. He would write about his dealings with alcoholism in 1991 in his book, Five O'Clock Comes Early. He was the pitching coach for the World Series winning Arizona Diamondbacks in 2001, and then he returned to the A's as an organizational pitching coach before his untimely death in 2014. A free spirit and true winner, and number 27 on our top 50 countdown, pitcher Bob Welch. At the time, our next entrant on the top 50 list was an international man of mystery, a Cuban star who played for his country in the 2009 World Baseball Classic, led Cuban baseball with 33 home runs in only 90 games in 2010. Two years later, he was ready to come to the United States and teams all over Major League Baseball watched in amazement at a YouTube video known as The Showcase. And then on March 4, 2012, the Oakland A's shocked the world with the signing of the man who would become La Potencia and number 26 on the countdown, outfielder Ioannis Cespedes. Cespedes became the 11th Cuban-born player to join the A's like Bert Campaneris, Ariel Prieto, and the Canseco brothers. He was a physical specimen built for power and speed. The A's opened the 2012 season in Japan, marking Ichiro Suzuki's triumphant return to his native land. But Cespedes stole the show, proving that the spotlight was something he welcomed. After a double in his debut versus Felix Hernandez in the season opener for his first hit, Cespedes unleashed the power in Game 2s. 
Oh, wow. There's a long shot to left center field. Is it enough? Yes, it is. A two-run bomb by Joanna Cespedes to left center field. And that quickly, the young man has his first major league home run. It's a two-run shot. And that is exactly what we were hoping for from young Joannis Cespedes. Once the A's returned to U.S. soil, he did it in his home debut against the Mariners. The 2-1 pitch is swung on, a drive to deep left center, just looking up at Saunders, and it is gone! Oh, what a blast from Cespedes! The plate, the pitch, that swung on, a drive to center field, hit well, going back, Saunders near the track, he's at the wall, and it is gone! A three-run homer for Cespedes to take the seventh. Connecting on home runs in three of his first four games, he would lead the team in home runs with 23 and RBIs with 82 as Oakland returned to the postseason. Second to Mike Trout in Rookie of the Year voting and his six hits also led the club in the ALDS against the Tigers. The following year, he fought hand and wrist injuries and still unloaded 26 home runs. While the bat was legendary, the arm was electric and provided moment after moment. Here's the 0-2 to Ian Kinsler again. Drilled down the left field line. Trouble in the corner. Sessman is back. It's over his head and off the wall. Plays the carom. Kinsler goes to second. The throw, the tag, the slide. And out at second base. A wicked shot off the wall in left field. And then playing the carom was Cespedes. He would win the home run derby at the All-Star game in 2013 with 32 blasts. Without Cespedes in the lineup the first two years, the A's were 13 games under 500, And he would hit in all 10 postseason games with the Athletics. Always ready for the big moment. Few were as exciting as the lightning bolt he delivered on June 11, 2014 against the Angels. Six weeks later, Cespedes would be a Red Sox in a deal for John Lester, then a Tiger, and eventually a New York Met. But baseball's most interesting man got a start and grabbed the spotlight first as an Oakland A. Number 26 on the countdown, outfielder Ioannis Cespedes. He was quiet but confident, a graceful defender and clutch performer. On a team of stars like Reggie Jackson, Sal Bando and Vita Blue, our next member of the all-time top 50 list more than pulled his weight and to this day still has one of the most iconic plays in World Series history. At number 25, outfielder Joe Rudy. Rudy, who briefly played in Kansas City, made his Oakland debut on May 8, 1968, the night of Catfish Hunter's perfect game. And he was part of a collection of inexperienced players who were given an opportunity at the same time in a new city. Well, it was a big transition period there because we had some of the older players that were you know, in Kansas City. And so we started out really in 68 with the sort of the transition to the newer players. You know, we had a period of time there were Reggie was in right, Rick Mundy's in center, I'm in left, and you know, Campy and Green, all the guys. I think our average on the field age back then was like 22. So Finley just threw us out there. I mean, here, go out and learn how to play in the big leagues. And, uh, you know, it was a struggle at the beginning. But over a period of time, we all sort of grew at the same time. We learned each other. We knew how to get the best out of each other, kick each other in the butt when you needed it and all the other stuff. And uh, it was a great transition period. It really was. His coming out party was game two of the 1972 World Series against Cincinnati. Yes, Gene Tennis grabbed the headlines with home runs in his first two at-bats in Game 1, and Tennis would win the series MVP, but Rudy found time to shine as well. He homered in the third inning off Ross Grimsley in Game 2, extending the lead to 2-0. 
which held until the ninth inning with Catfish pitching and Dennis Menke at the plate. There's a long ride to deep left, that ball going, going, and it is caught by Rudy! Joe Rudy rubs him with extra bases against the wall, and they nearly double up Perez at first. What a grab by Joe Rudy! People don't realize the amount of hours and work that you do there. You know, I played infield, shortstop in high school, signed out of high school, and never played the outfield. And I was so blessed in 68 that Bob Kennedy is a manager, and Joe DiMaggio as our outfield instructor. They started in spring training, and uh, every day Bob would stand over by third base by the coach's box and hit line drives at me. Joe D was out there trying to teach me, starting in spring training, how to go back on the ball. They did a ball in my head. I'd run back and turn, and the ball would be 50 feet away. And it's so hard to learn that. And I just did you know, literally tens of thousands of times. I remember when that happened after the game, you know, I was telling the press, and it's like deja vu. I mean, I've done that play so many times in practice that you don't even think about it. And really in the game, you can't think. As soon as you start thinking about what you're doing, hitting or playing defense, you got to know ahead of time where you got to throw the ball in certain plays. You know, I'm just really blessed to have great instructors coming up. It is still a play that is seen in every fall classic. Rudy would hit the series winning home run in the 74 series off the Dodgers' Mike Marshall as the A's won the classic in five games, marking their third consecutive title, which was last accomplished in the major leagues by the Yankees from 1949 to 53. Rudy played 16 seasons, 11 with the A's. He was a three-time All-Star and Gold Glover with Oakland, and all 38 games of his postseason career were in green and gold. At number 25 on the countdown, outfielder Joe Rudy. Our next entrant on the all-time top 50 list began his career at another organization, began his A's career at another position, spent his first full season on the AAA shuttle before emerging as an all-star. In at number 24, third baseman Josh Donaldson. Donaldson was a Cubs first-round pick in 2007 out of Auburn University as a catcher, and the A's acquired him the following year for Chad Godin and Rich Harden. He made his Oakland debut April 30th, 2010 in Toronto as a pinch hitter, and started the following day behind the plate with Gio Gonzalez pitching. Quite a debut. The pitch swung on, belted deep left field. Josh Donaldson has hit a long one, and he has hit it out in Toronto. Josh Donaldson has a welcome to the big league moment against Dana Eveland and the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, that was awesome. They gave me the silent treatment at first, and you know, I went along with it. I was saying, good job, Fox, getting on base. And, uh, it was great for the, the teammates here to really, you know, take care of me. But he hit only 156 in 14 games and didn't return to the majors until 2012. A spring training injury that year to Scott Sizemore opened a chance to play third base on a full-time basis. But a 153 average in the first half that season sent him back to AAA until August. In the final two months, Josh had eight home runs and drove in 26. As the A's completed their unlikely run to the top of the AL West, Donaldson had an important moment versus Seattle on September 29th. Here's the 0-1 to Donaldson on the way. A breaking ball, fly ball center field. Gutierrez going back on it. He's in the track, right to the wall. God, and we're tied! The Oakland A's, they haven't run out of miracles yet. A two-run straightaway center field home run by Josh Donaldson in the bottom of the ninth inning and they've tied it up at 4-4.
Josh continued to blossom in 2013 with 24 homers and 93 RBIs and continued that leadership into 2014. In a season of big moments, he was in the right place at the right time on May 28th against the Tigers. Nathan at the belt. He is ready to turn. It's on the way. Swung a drill to left. Down the left field line it goes. And it is gone. Josh Donaldson, a towering run inside the foul pole. Down the left field line on the first pitch he sees from Joe Nathan in the bottom of the ninth inning. It's a walk-off for the A's against the Tigers. And the final is 3-1. But his iconic moment with the A's came with the glove on July 7th of that year. The 1-1 pitch, swung a bounce on the left side. Coming in for it is Donaldson, bobbles, gloves, throws on the run in the dirt. Nice grab by Boat. He saves the out and pinches out at first base. He made his first all-star team and hit 29 home runs and drove in 98 that season. From part-time catcher to full-time third baseman and integral part of three consecutive appearances in the postseason by the A's, in at number 24, third baseman Josh Donaldson. He was a part of a successful rotation, and while he may not have grabbed the spotlight quite like Catfish or Vita, our next entrant on the A's all-time top 50 did have a cool nickname and was a vital part of the A's 70s run of excellence. In at number 23, pitcher John Blue Moon Odom. Born in Macon, Georgia, John Odom got his nickname Blue Moon in the fifth grade and almost followed the singing talents of Little Richard and Otis Redding, alums of his high school, before baseball took over. Odom got to the big leagues as a teenager in Kansas City in 1964 and won 16 games in the A's inaugural Oakland season of 1968. He loved the competition on the staff. We played together for a few years before we went to Oakland and we knew what we had and uh, I, I knew we had a good pitching staff and it, it was just a matter of time just fitting in and doing the job you're capable of doing and uh, seemed like it was a turning point when we got to Oakland, you know, 68, got my first All-Star game and 69 All-Star also. So uh, everything started clicking for the better. Each one of us had a big role to play. I think we tried to do as good or better than the other pitcher. And uh, I think that's what turned us around. Uh, we just had a great pitching staff. We went out to pitch nine innings and stuff like that. We didn't believe relievers coming in and getting us and stuff like that. And lesson was Raleigh. And he usually come in maybe one or two outs in the ninth inning if we uh, went that far. But as the young A's were gaining confidence, so was Blue Moon in 1972. He won 15 games as the A's returned to the postseason, this time against the Tigers. After the A's opened the series with an extra inning 3-2 win, Odom took the ball in game two and never let go. A-line lost it to right field. The game should be over. It is Blue Moon Odom with a three-hit shutout. And now the Tigers must go home and win all three games and go to the World Series. The Tigers did battle back to tie the series at two, and then Odom gave the A's five innings in the finale, followed by Vida in the bullpen, to send the A's to their first World Series as Odom reflects on the A's first fall classic. Kind of nerve-wracking in a way. You know, you've never been there before, never know what to expect. 
and you plan a team like Cincinnati Reds that uh, they said are big red machines, and they had us going home within four games perhaps because they really didn't know what we was capable of doing and to their faces that first time. And uh, then they knew they had something on their hands, and uh, we named ourselves at that time the, the Green Machine. Times were different before the DH, and Blue Moon could hit. In fact, he hit 12 home runs in his career and even was used as a pinch runner in the postseason. In 1974, Odom pitched only twice in relief in the World Series against the Dodgers, but he retired Davey Lopes on a ground out in a tie game in Game 5, and Joe Rudy Homer to send the A's to the third consecutive title. All but four of Blue Moon's 84 career wins came with the Athletics. Four times in double figures with the green and gold, part of a great rotation that did amazing things in the 1970s. Part of the reason he makes the all-time list. At number 23, pitcher John Blue Moon Odom. As a kid, he did commercials for KFC. His nickname, Little Co, came from his great-grandmother, but his sister lengthened it to the moniker that carried him through 15 years of Major League Baseball, seven with the Oakland A's. At number 22 on the top 50 list is outfielder Covelli Coco Crisp. By the time Coco signed as a free agent prior to the 2010 season, he had already participated in five different postseason series with the Boston Red Sox. He had a flair for the big play with his speed and even his power. His second year with the A's, he led the American League with 49 steals. But as the A's started that three-year run to the postseason, Crisp made his mark not with one, but two moments on July 3rd, 2012, against the Red Sox. The 2-0 on the way, a swung on, drilled down the left field line, hooking in the corner, right down the line, and it is gone! And Coco Crisp leads off the bottom of the first. A towering drive right down the left field line. He's swung on a fly ball, right center field deep. The A's are going to win the game against the Red Sox here at the Coliseum. They're mobbing Coco Crisp. The last to accomplish a leadoff home run and walk-off in the same game was Ricky Henderson in August of 1992, and that connection is not lost on Coco. Growing up with Ricky Henderson being one of my favorite ball players of all time, I've always had a love for this organization, and to be able to play for this organization was an honor in its own, and now to be named to one of the 50 greatest of all time within this organization is uh, truly amazing, especially being on the same list as a guy that you idolize within the game in the same organization. As the A's got back to the postseason that year, no one rode the ups and downs of that series more than Crisp against the Detroit Tigers. Game one. The one-two to Coco on the way. Swung a drill down the right field line. Hooking in the corner. Fair or foul. Fair. Gone. Home run. And that's the way the postseason begins for the A's. Coco Crisp hits it out. one nothing. Athletics off Verlander. Game two. The 0-1. Fastball driven towards center. Not deep. Coming on Coco. Still coming. Still coming. Basket catch. Drops it. It lands on the grass. The Tigers take the 3-2 lead. Game three. Here's the one-two to Fritz. Swung on, hit to right center field. Coco going back to the track, right to the wall, leaping at the wall. And did he catch it? He made a sensational catch. Coco Crest going over the wall in right center field, robbing Prince Fielder of a home run. And game four. Alberta deals. And Coco, it's a base hit to right field. Smith to third, up the wall. Bobbled and he would hit a career-high 22 home runs in 2013 
and become the A's 10th player to have a 2020 season. He hit 389 in that postseason. Coco would stay in the A's organization into the 2016 season, then traded back to his original Cleveland team and joined their World Series run. Stolen bases, leadoff home runs, and countless exciting catches. It's those moments that place him on the all-time top 50 in at number 22, outfielder Coco Crisp. There is no doubt through the A's success of the 1970s, their path was filled with colorful uniforms and characters on the field. How could you not like names like Catfish, Blue Moon, Reggie, and Vita, and the rest? But when you are called the captain, it's a whole different level, and that brings us to number 21 on the all-time top 50 list, third baseman Sal Bando. Batting third and playing third base, number six, the captain of the A's, Captain Sal Bando. Bando played sparingly for the A's over two years in Kansas City before arriving in Oakland in 1968. The following nine seasons, Sal was as dependable as any A, averaging 157 games per season. He was a four-time All-Star, hit 20 or more home runs six times, and drove in 90 or more on four occasions. He was named captain by manager Hank Bauer in 1969. It was a title that Sal had some perspective on. Well, what I tried to remember is I wasn't any better than these guys just because I was captain, and I didn't lord it over anybody. I just did what I thought I had to do to make us a better team, and that was encourage guys, pat them on the back, don't be lazy out there, stuff like that. The baseball part of it, I'm going to strike out like they struck out. I'm going to make an error like they made an error. So I wasn't any better, but I just tried to emphasize we're a team that we play as a team. Before the playoff run began in 1971, Bando saw a collection of talent that started to believe, and then their new manager knew the right buttons to push. Well, I think what we recognized is we had a bunch of guys that had some talent. We just had to learn how to play together and play to win and do the small things that win games. And uh, over time, you know, they've added a player here, took a player away. We became a nucleus of a team that just were winners. And it wasn't any one guy, it was a group of guys. Dick Williams was a very important factor because he's the one that got us to focus as winners. And uh, Dick really groomed us. All the other managers had their own assets, but Dick was the one that groomed us and got us the right direction. I think winning that first World Series, to me, was the ultimate. I mean, that, as a kid, you dream about it, and all of a sudden it became a reality. When I think about that, I, I wish I could relive that again. All five of Bando's postseason home runs came in three ALCS series against the Baltimore Orioles. Three times, Bando finished in the top five in the American League MVP voting. On a team that not only won together, they fought together, and his steadying influence helped a team of talented players reach their ultimate goal of three consecutive World Series. In at number 21, third baseman Sal Bando. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 